Cowgal, the podcast where we talk anything and everything soccer with a SoCal slant. I'm Alicia. And I'm Josie. We're going to begin today talking about what it means to be a fan. Uh, Alicia, you wrote earlier this week about your fan experience. Uh, can you share some of the moments when you felt yourself becoming a fan? Uh, it can be sports, music, really just sort of describe that moment. Um, yeah, I mean, sort of what spurred me to write the article about uh, becoming a fan and, and kind of relaying some of my personal experiences was, you know, to sort of give a perspective on, what you know, how different people can become fans in different ways. And, you know, I just wanted to share my experiences and not necessarily tell people how they ought to be fans or that sort of thing, so I don't think that that's fair. But um, getting back to the question, I think, uh, you know, for me... Um, I think the biggest thing has been a sense of camaraderie. Uh, no matter what team it is that I, you know, I'm talking about as far as, as being a fan, I think, um, you know, I, I was long a fan of, uh, for example, the Detroit Red Wings. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Michigan, and, and hockey was was really big there, and then the, the Red Wings became very successful. Um, but I think one of the sort of the best memories I guess I have of my youth was. Um, when I was uh, in college, I was working at a grocery store that I had been working at for years, um, part-time, and uh, it was during the, the Stanley Cup run of, of the Wings that year, I think it was 2002, and uh, everybody was just happier, you know, there's a sense of um, being excited for what was coming that evening, you know, with the big game, and people were wearing their, you know, shirts and jerseys to work, and out shopping and stuff, and you know, all the shoppers were excited, all of the employees were excited, and I think that sense of camaraderie and that sense of expectation of having, you know, the big game and something big on the line, um, you know, really made me feel a sense of community that I often didn't have, you know, otherwise in sort of everyday life. So, um, you know, there have been lots of moments where being a sports fan has been uh, really memorable for me, certainly, but I think that's one of those moments that I've, you know, I, I really cherish, to be honest, and it's something that I kind of, you know, you always want to get back to, and I think have, being a fan of any team produces camaraderie, but I think when, obviously, things fall together and um, people get excited about being fans and, and really have a lot of optimism and um, the team is successful, that's when it really gets exciting and it, it really becomes rewarding. But how about you? What do you, you know, what, what are some some ways in which you sort of reflect on being a fan? Uh, well, for me, it was, growing up was always something I did with my, my dad. You know, he took me to to Dodger games, and I can still remember, you know, walking through the tunnel and seeing the field for the first time, and that, you know, that, that fever pitch moment where you're just like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Um, and, and, and I have. Just, you know, it, it that moment keeps me wanting to relive that moment every summer when it comes baseball season again. Um, I can can remember uh, you know seeing the Home Depot Center for the first time. I wasn't even there for soccer. I was there for some tennis tournament when the Williams sisters were first blowing up, and you know I kind of casually followed soccer for uh, most of my time growing up, and then just seeing this massive soccer stadium. You know, it was like, I didn't know that could exist, and there it was. So I feel, I, I, I have those 
kind of sad moments of just, you know, experiencing something for the first time uh, and really wanting to experience it over and, and, and over again. All right, let's move on to the next question. Uh, Wayne Rooney warned his teammates about falling behind in matches after their scare in Transylvania this week. Um, is there any chance Manchester United doesn't make it from their group? And are any of the traditional powers in danger at this point in the in the Champions League? You know, Rooney, he, he gave a good quote. You know, he was talking about um, you know, the team can't keep conceding the first goals especially in Champions League, it's dangerous, and these teams are really good, and they can't carry over into the league. And all the points are valid, but Manchester United is in no danger. Uh, they won their first two matches, which not everyone can say, and they're currently top of their group. Um, it's one of the advantages that pot A teams uh, have. Uh, you get groups that are sort of formed to help you continue on the success that you've had in the past. Um, just looking through the other pot one teams, uh, the only one that's actually in any danger, I would say, is Bayern Munich. Uh, they've only, they lost to BATE Borisov of uh, Belarus. Um, which I don't think anyone was expecting. So there is that danger uh, that Valencia could uh, finish ahead of Bayern Munich. Uh, Valencia is currently enjoying a better goal differential, uh, but it's probably not all that likely. Uh, pot 1 teams uh, tend to continue to be Pot 1 teams uh, from now until perpetuity. Um, so I do not think Manchester United fans have anything to worry about. Uh, their club looks like they're going uh, full on through. Um, but I don't, what, do you do you think that any of the traditional powers uh, might be in some trouble? Yeah, I mean I'm with you on Bayern Munich. I think that obviously the result uh, this week wasn't very good for them, and it, it was a little bit of a shock. Um, I mean it, it is worth saying that it's it's still very early in the group stage and. I mean, by no means is any team uh, out of it at this point. But uh, I think the other team that I would maybe, um, you know, raise concerning this question would be Juventus. Um, they only have two points from their first two matches. Um, you know, they, they've, they've played some tough uh, opponents. Uh, you know, they have Chelsea in their group and, and Shakhtar Donetsk, who I know isn't as sexy of a team, um, perhaps, as Juventus. But still, they're a team that has been regular um, participants in the Champions League the last several years and, um, you know, are kind of in their second wave of, of Champions League uh, play and, and they're still doing pretty well. Um, you know, and, and I think the fact that with Italian teams, it's often sort of hit or miss when it comes to uh, success in Europe. I mean, there are some, some teams that just totally click and there are some teams that it seems like they should be clicking and they don't. Um, and I, I think it's, it's possible that that could happen with Juventus. And I think also, considering the fact that they have a little bit of instability as far as, um, you know, the coaching situation since their coach has been uh, banned for almost a year for the his part in the uh, scandal last season or a few seasons back. Um, and also the fact that I think uh, they're doing really well in the uh, Serie A right now. So I think they might be taking their feet off the pedal a little bit. And so when they get to Europe, it's 
with a little bit of, um, you know, kind of expecting the results to come to them and, and maybe having to fight it out a little bit more. Um, but that said, I, mean, I think, you know, like I said, I think Juve and, and Bayern Munich are sort of seem like the heavyweights that are in the, the biggest amount of biggest amount of trouble at this point but I still think that obviously there's a long a long way to go yet and um, you know we, we still have a, a lot of time to see how these these teams play and, and see if they can actually uh, get get into the, the competition at this point yeah good good example with Juventus um, you know between them and Manchester City we've got two champions and a little bit of hot water um, but we got to move on to the next question Guyana is about to host a World Cup qualifier in Houston. Does holding international matches in a foreign country violate the spirit of the competition? Yeah, just to give us a little bit of background, basically what happened was um, the FA um, from Guyana uh, sold the rights to this qualifier um, to a third party. The third party then sold the rights to... um, the I think it's Houston Dynamo Stadium, right? The new, mm-hmm. is that yeah. correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, basically it's for money. I mean, that's sort of the purpose of it. And uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> holding a matches in a in another country for for financial reasons is, I think, definitely violates the spirit of the competition. Um, it's essentially giving up uh, their chances, which I know their chances aren't very good anyway. They're playing Mexico in this game. Mexico's already qualified. Um, they're still probably going to steamroll them. Um, but I think it deprives the fans of seeing their national team play. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's all about money. And I understand that there are situations in which qualifiers have to be moved. Um, you know, a lot of times they're moved for stadium regulations. If it's a sort of a minnow that doesn't have a, a FIFA-sanctioned stadium, uh, you know, they have to move it because, you know, the the international body just can't sanction allowing a, a game to go on either because it's it's uh, not regulation or um, sort of the, the facilities themselves aren't up to stuff. I mean, that I think that makes sense. I also think for safety reasons, that obviously makes sense too. You know, things like when, um, you know, rafts hardly had a chance to play in their, um, you know, within their borders in the last decade. That's like a pretty obvious reason to you know allow them to go elsewhere um, to play soccer matches. But um, in this case, I mean, when it comes down to money, I, I think it's you know it, it really it's unfortunate. I understand that that's sort of the um, situation regarding you know a minnow like Guyana, but I also think that it's probably something that you know should have a regulation over it to begin with. And the fact that there isn't one, I, I you know, I think there's, it would be a no-brainer to uh, create one at this point. But I don't know. What do you think about it? Oh, uh, I, I agree with you on this topic. And so I was trying to find some devil's advocate type reasons why, um, you know, you can kind of side with uh, Guyana playing this match in the United States. I know Mexico in the past has done some uh, youth level matches in Houston, um, the China, you know, just for that same reason, um, you know, they're the home team, but they'll get more revenue for those matches they play over in America, because they don't care if it's a youth team or not, they just want to go see Mexico play soccer, uh, and I think that's what the organizers who, uh, Guyana sold the rights to, I think that's what they're, they're banking on, 
is that uh, no one in America is going to kind of thumb their nose at it being Guyana. You know, it's, oh, it's the Mexican national team, they're, they're here, I have pride in my country, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go to that. Uh, so, you know, you can't exactly blame, I mean, they can't blame the organizers. Obviously, the organizers are trying to make as much money as, as they can, and you know, Guyana did do, um, I know at least their first qualifier, uh, in, in their country. So, you know, kind of, if you, if this money does get reapplied into their, uh, national system, and, you know, the money from this match kind of goes to, uh, really further the program, then maybe no harm, no foul. Uh, but if it goes into people's pockets, then, uh, that's very much a foul. Um, and you never really know with, uh, football associations. Yeah, but. I mean, I think that's a really key point, and that's probably the reason why this hasn't been made, uh, illegal, right? Is the, the opportunity for, uh, you know, members of the FA to, you know, take a, a portion or perhaps all of that money. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, that, that sounds like some sort of paranoid theory, but obviously we know that that's something that's pretty rampant in, in FIFA, unfortunately. Uh, it's a matter of Occam's razor, you know, like, so people are trying to make more money. Well, people like money. <laughs> they right. probably won't. So, anyway, um, we'll be taking a short break, and when we come back, we will have Kayla uh, with foxsoccer.com, and we'll be talking all sorts of soccer questions, so please stick around. Hello. Uh, welcome back. We are here with Kayla Knapp, uh, staff editor at foxsoccer.com. Uh, say hi to everybody. Hi. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the questions, and I believe, Alicia, you have the first one. Yeah, that's right, for the uh, fellow SoCal gal. Um, we'll start with this. Who would be your MLS breakout player of 2013? There have been a lot of really um, great players this season that have put together some pretty incredible performances. Um, I mean, most notably, Chris Wondolowski has been amazing up in San Jose, but also uh, his teammate, Alan Gordon, has just had, I mean, what you would have to consider a breakout season, you know, even though he's kind of on the older end of the age scale in MLS. Um, I mean, up until this season, his best year was like back in 08 with the Galaxy, and I think he had five goals. And this season, um, he's had 13 goals and seven assists. And, you know, San Jose is pretty much has a lock on the supporter shield. Nobody's going to catch them. Um, and he's been a huge, huge part of that. So I'd have to say, you know, Alan Gordon has put together um, the biggest breakout season of any player in MLS in, uh, this year. All right. Um, well, only six matches in, but Everton is sitting second in the Barclays Premier League. Uh, what are they doing right? Well, obviously they're doing a lot of things right if they're sitting in second. Um, I mean, they're only three points behind Chelsea, who has been, you know, completely dominant so far this season. Um, so they're they're sitting in a good spot, and they're having a really strong start. And I, I think Fellaini is a really big part of that. Um, he's just been an absolute animal for them uh, offensively and a total terror to opposing teams. I, I definitely would not want to go up against him uh, up for a header in the box. Um, he's got three goals so far this season. I have a pretty strong feeling he's going to pick up quite a few more. 
Um, and I think he's been a really big key factor for them. Um, along with, you know, they've, they've been scoring goals early in games, and that's obviously really important to get that, that early lead um, and setting the tone kind of right away. Um, I'm not sure if they can maintain this pace for the rest of the season, but they've been really, really impressive so far in this start. Uh, all right, let's let's switch uh, gears a little bit and talk about the Champions League. Um, I know it's early, but if we take out Barcelona and Real Madrid, uh, who is your current favorite to win the Champions League? Well, you know, if you're taking those two out, and I, I have to take Chelsea out too because no team in this current format of the UEFA Champions League has um, won back-to-back. Uh, so i got to take them out too. Um, I would have to say... It's hard to pick just one, um, so I'm going to give you two options. I, I think either Arsenal or Dortmund have a really uh, good chance of winning when you take out those other uh, soccer giants. Um, Arsenal, if they can get their offense going and keep it going, um, I think they've got a good shot. But I also was really, really impressed by Dortmund on Wednesday against Manchester City. They were tough. Um, they were, you know, they were strong. They scored good goals. I really think that if they could keep playing like they played on Wednesday – um, they could they could go all the way. Yeah, I, I like that you bring up Dortmund and Man City, because uh, you know I'm looking at Man City right now, BPL champions, and yet only one point thus far in Champions League. Uh, you know, last year Champions League, uh, Manchester United goes in as BPL champions, ends up in the Europa League. Uh, does Manchester City have a prayer of getting out of this group of death? I mean, mathematically, sure. Um, you know, anything is possible right now. They, there's plenty of games left for them to make up the ground and, and uh, catch Madrid and Dortmund, who are both sitting ahead of them right now in the group. But realistically, um, I don't think that they have the squad to do it right now. They really, just their chemistry is way off. Um, they don't look anything like the team that they were last season. Um and they really needed to win on Wednesday against Dortmund, and they only got a draw, and really, they only got that draw by a very um, uh, lucky call. Uh, and, I mean, they were completely outplayed the whole match. They just, they didn't, they haven't looked good. They haven't looked great in the league. They haven't looked great in, in the Champions League as well. Um, so, I mean, technically, they can definitely get out of the group, but I just don't think that they've got the squad and the chemistry to pull it off right now. What do you think of uh, Balotelli's little uh, flat, flat, flat thing as he was walking away from goal yesterday? I mean, that's what you're gonna get with Balotelli. <laughs> um, you know, he's a character. He makes it fun, and uh, you know, I, at first I, I wasn't a huge fan. I don't. I wasn't a big fan of his antics, but it's you know, it keeps things entertaining, and you never know what you're gonna expect um, with him. So you know, and he, he scored. I mean, he scored the goal, and. Uh, did his little thing afterwards, and, and, and that was it. He didn't get a yellow card or anything like that. So as long as he can keep it in check, um, you know, and not do anything totally outrageous and stupid, uh, then I think he can put together, you know, a good season for City. So, I don't know. He's a fun player. <laughs> that he is. All right, well, thank you so much for coming on. We loved having you. Of course. Thank you, girls, so much. It was great. Thanks, Kayla. Okay, we're back now to play another new game, Good Cop, Bad Cop. We'll bring in our first suspect, Thierry Henry. Alright, well this Henry kid, you know, he thinks he's better than the team. He's 
gotten to the point now with his uh, turf phobia that when he's suspended before a match on turf, it's sort of just assumed that he wasn't going to travel anyway. And that's quite simply not right. You know, I know Mr. Henri over in Europe, he won a bunch of cups and a bunch of medals, but as far as I'm concerned, he can go ahead and toss all those cups and all those medals and all those pots and all those pans into the nearest trash can because he hasn't done anything in America and until he does something in America he's not better than the team and when the team is playing on turf guess what he's gotta go I can't even believe we're bringing this guy in for questioning I mean first of all he is better than the team he's shown it his resume proves that he's you know one of the best players of, of his generation um, arguably the most decorated player ever to play in MLS uh, he has 14 goals and 12 assists in 22 league games this season, which is insane. I mean, that's that that kind of balanced production is, it, it you know clearly marks him a step above the rest. And uh, you know, just because he doesn't like playing on turf, shouldn't shouldn't mean that he he has to come in for you know this this grilling by you because I I think he's he's you know one of the most transcendent players in the game and he he deserves the props. I don't I don't get it. Uh, I, I tell you, the kid's no good. No titles but Red Bulls. Just, you know, not getting it done. Um, but we're going to go ahead and move on to our next suspect, because the perps, they just keep on coming. Um, up next, we've got Western Conference Hanger On, Vancouver Whitecaps FC. Yeah, I mean, I know that, you know, the the thing with the playoffs, they set the, the number of teams early on, you know, how many teams are going to make the playoffs. I kind of feel like this year they don't even need to fill that fifth spot. Probably going to go to Vancouver. Yeah, they beat Chivas midweek, but, you know, at this point, that's not that's not a significant accomplishment, I'm sorry to say. Uh, you know, and that hurts me to say it, but it's true. Um, you know, and if they make it into the playoffs... They're going to roll over because the top four in the West are way better than them. I think anybody would take any of the other four teams in the playoffs ahead of them in, you know, in a playoff matchup in a one-game game. Martin Rennie's meddling. He's gone way too far this season. I'm tired of it. I think they ought to be cut loose from the playoff picture altogether. I, I, I can't believe that you're treating the Whitecaps with such little amount of respect. You know, The top five in the Western Conference have been set from probably three months ago and the Whitecaps have not fallen out. No one has stepped up to the plate to take them out. Obviously they are doing something right up there in Canada. They, they're getting points per match not at the level that they were. They have slowed down a little bit but they're still well above any of the ones underneath them. They have just continued not to be amazing but to be solid and there's something to be said about being solid yes if they were in the eastern conference they wouldn't be anywhere near the playoffs they're worse than both the fifth and the sixth in the eastern conference but they happen to play in the west where things are just a little bit easier and there's nothing wrong with them achieving at the level that they have achieved at. 
I'll just say this: Vancouver is lucky that they changed the uh, the format of the playoffs this season. There, it looks like they're going to benefit from that. But uh, but let's move on. Uh, we got another perp coming right in. Goonies never say die. The slogan uh, taken up by the San Jose Earthquakes this season. Yeah, I had to go and watch the Goonies. Uh, I'll admit I've never seen it before. I had to go and watch this movie to understand what all these San Jose fans were talking about. Um, and it's a silly movie where Frodo, um, no not Frodo, Sam, goes out and with a bunch of little kids and they have some adventure with a pirate ship and they're all losers and Sam says Goonies never say die to rally them forth into some sort of triumph over these incompetent bad people and I get the nostalgia factor but it's annoying it's grating, and it just doesn't mean what I feel like they want it to mean. San Jose are not Goonies. They just simply aren't. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll grant you a few of those points. I'll bring them up in a sec, but here's why it's good. It's organic. I don't think that San Jose has a good marketing department. They're, they're, they've never <laughs> been ones to sort of set themselves apart in the marketing game in this league. I don't think they could have ever come up with this, um, but I think it, it, it hits the trifecta here. It's silly, like you said, and I think there's something to be said for that. It's both nonsensical and logical, so hitting on what you're saying, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense that they're using it, but it's also logical because, you know, never giving up, that sort of thing, it's a new, new spin on that, so to speak. And it references 80s nostalgia, which, uh, you know, is, is all, always good for the... Uh, 30-something, 20- and 30-something set. Um, I think after the soccer career is over that Stephen Lenhart has a future in marketing. Well, maybe as a future in marketing. I don't know. I don't get it. But we'll have to move on uh, to our last perp, Merritt Paulson on Twitter. Ooh, so the uh, Portland Timbers owner, he invests the money... Uh, you know, an owner that invests the money and isn't available to the uh, public, that's good. Somebody who speaks up from time to time, nothing wrong with it. But an owner that has decided to enter Mark Cuban territory, probably not the look for Paulson. I know that MLS doesn't have the outsized personalities among the owners that we know of. There could be some really crazy stuff going behind the scenes, but not that we know of anyway. But uh, I think this sort of combative angle that Paulson's taken... It's just not a good look for him, and I, I don't think it's a good look for his team either. And it, it's just, it, you know, it, it's getting pretty tiresome, I think, to see him, you know, calling out the refs, uh, beating up on Eric Winalda. I mean, I know that that is something that I think a lot of people want to do, but it, you know, mm -hmm. it's not important for somebody in his position. Well, you know, let's, let's, let's take a look at what he said. Um, let's be real. NFL replacement refs have nothing on MLS primary refs. Think of this garbage. I will happily take the fine. It's atrocious. Should balance out. Now, those are inflammatory comments. I'm not going to deny the nature and how damning they are of MLS refs. But let's, let's not forget that when the NFL replacement refs were screwing up the endings of games and just causing all kinds of trouble, no one was like, oh, hey, players and owners, stop whining because it'll all kind of work out. No, talk shows, 
late night talk shows were talking about the replacement rest. Ellen, a, 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 a lesbian on in the midday was talking about the replacement rest. It, it, there's just nothing wrong with pointing out the flaws in your league to try and get the groundswell going to improve them. And clearly the MLS refs could use some improvement. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he, he has a platform already as an owner, you know, at the, at the owners' meetings and, you know, being 119th the owner of the league, you'd think he'd, he'd have some pull beyond just, you know, tweeting out his angry comments. But I guess we'll have to see if, if anything changes in the offseason and if his, his powerful words have, have changed any minds. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, well, that is going to do it for us tonight. Or, sorry, um, today, as you listen to this tomorrow. Um, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at R-O-C-K and Josie. Um, and Alicia, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Soccer Musings. Alright, one final question. Who do you have got between Real Madrid and Barcelona? Uh, I'm going to go with Barcelona. They've been cruising lately, and, you know, Real Madrid has been struggling, so I'm going to go with, with Real. I mean, with Barcelona, sorry. Uh, Real all the way. All See right. you all uh, next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you.